The prophetic word, I, I want to read at least the, the first part of it, what Dr. Savell spoke to us back in October into November. This is 2018, days of glory, days of flourishing, and days of abounding. He says, continue to preach, teach, and emphasize the importance of faithfulness. It's still my plan for the faithful to flourish. Preach, teach, emphasize the importance of faithfulness. It's still my plan for the faithful to flourish. If you will do this, then they will continually get it. It will never be more important than right now for them to flourish in every area of their lives. These are indeed the days of my greater glory, says the Lord. And I will cause it to manifest for all who have remained faithful to me and faithful to my word. And I will cause them to flourish and to abound even as I promised in my word. I will honor their loyalty to me by enabling them to overcome every attack of the evil one. And I'll bring them into the greatest breakthroughs they've experienced thus far. Rest assured that I'm working in their behalf even now and they will, they shall triumph or they will triumph and they shall be victorious and all shall see that I'm still the God of the breakthrough and I'm still the God that keeps covenant. So lift up your hands and lift up your voices and praise your God, the God who is like any other God, the God who blesses all who have been loyal and faithful to him says the Lord. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. And like I said, it's so good to be with you this morning. And Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Verse 1. It says, and in that day shall this song be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. Salvation will God appoint for walls and bulwarks. They say, in that day shall this song be sung. We have a strong city. Hallelujah. We have a strong city. Hallelujah. What, What song are you singing to the Lord about your destiny and about your future? What are you speaking over your destiny and what are you speaking over your future? Because he's saying in that day, we're going to sing this song. See, it's not, they're already thinking about what they're going to sing before they ever get there. Verse two says, open ye the gates that the righteous nation, which keeps, keepeth the truth may enter in. Now get that. Open ye the gates that the righteous nation, which keepeth the truth may enter. Enter in. Keep it there with a TH on the end is just this is something you constantly do. This is a part of your life. So it says, Open ye the gates that the righteous nation which keepeth the truth may enter in. We're talking about the faithful shall flourish. So those that are walking in step with this word, they're going to enter in. Verse 3 Thou will keep him in perfect peace. Thou will keep him in Perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. See, this is another, this is another aspect in verse of faithfulness. See, because it's based on where, where am I keeping my mind? Because wherever I'm keeping my mind is either giving me peace or giving me fear. 
See, so we're talking about faithfulness. It's, it's my mind is stayed on thee. My mind is stayed on him. These are actions of faithfulness. And a lot of times when we think of faithfulness, we immediately think of actions. But before actions, we don't understand everything is birthed out, birthed out of our thoughts. You see, our, if, we, if we could understand our, we could take care of this, our actions would take care of themselves. You know, Jesus told, told the disciples, you know, and said, when we're talking about the Pharisees in, in, in Matthew, chapters, uh, Matthew chapter 5, and he's talking to them and, and saying, well, you say, you know, that you shouldn't do this. But Jesus, well, I say to you, don't even look at a woman with, with anger in your heart, or don't even look at a woman with lust in your heart. Or, and then he said, or, or don't even have anger in your heart towards your brother, because then you've already done the deed. So Jesus was telling the disciples, it's not about your actions, it's about your thoughts, because your thoughts will produce your actions. So here in these two, these two things, we see those that keepeth the word and are in. And then the next verse says, those that keep their minds stayed on thee. Perfect peace. How many people want perfect peace? See, perfect peace in your life is going to be a result of what you're doing with your mind. What you're doing with your thinking. If you are upset, anxious, and full of anxiety, it really comes down to we've got our mind off the wrong, we've got our mind off the right thing and onto the wrong thing. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. That will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. See, this is another word of faithfulness. Trusteth. In the perpetual, meaning this is what I do all the time. I get my mind set on him and I keep my trust set on him. Amen. Amen. Get my mind set on him and I get my trust set on him. Hallelujah. I want to walk in this level of peace. How about you? I want to walk in this level of peace. In order that to happen, it says what? I got to keep my mind stayed on thee and my trust in thee. Verse four, trust ye in the Lord forever. Man, that's another phrase of faithfulness. Trust in the Lord forever. That's like not stopping. That's like all the time, right? Trust in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Perfect peace. Perfect peace. You know, this, this morning I want to talk about Christmas perspective. Christmas, Christmas perspective. What's your perspective? What's your perspective? You know, if we see our setup here, I know the camera people and back there are like, uh, Justin, it's dark up there, but... You know, think about this aspect of... And this is a beautiful set, man. Stephanie, Joseph... Sam, everyone involved in, did a beautiful job, didn't they? Yeah. So it's like a, it's like a kind of like a perfect setting for Christmas, right? You have the gifts under the tree, yeah. and a pretty little, pretty big bow, <laughs> poinsettias or poinsettias, however you want to say it. You know, I have the like little street lights there. It's just a beautiful, just a picturesque thing. But you know what? You can be sitting inside a Picturesque environment, but yet be torn up inside. 
You can, you can have everything on the outside that what people can see be something that I want that life, but yet, but yet you're missing perfect peace. You know, with Christmas, I, there's a lot of, you know, from Christian religious perspectives, you got some people argue about Christmas. Well, it's, it's just a pagan holiday and it's all these, I'm not, not going there right now. And there's so many things out there, but, but let's look at the word Christmas for a moment. Everyone's arguments about Christmas and all those things. It's about your perspective. Some people have arguments, well, you know, some religion, you know, what's, well, you know, Isaiah says something about don't have a tree and put silver and gold on it. And they take that meaning. It meant, it meant Christmas trees, Pastor Justin. It meant, no, it doesn't. It doesn't mean Christmas trees. It does not mean Christmas trees. All right. Isaiah cared less about Christmas trees. Um, it had nothing to do with Christmas trees. Actually, what it was talking about was in that time. You know, don't, with wood. What happened was, is the poor people or or middle class poor people would would get a tree and they would they would they would take wood and they would carve carvings and they would put gold and silver on it because the rich people would have pure gold and pure silver to worship their idols. It had nothing to do with Christmas trees. That's a that's a rabbit trail. But anyway, but some people might not need to hear it because. And yeah, you, I'm just saying it's all perspective. You can take it to the extreme, the commercialism and all that. But what does the word Christmas mean? The word Christmas from the old English or actually the Hebrew uh, was Mashiach talking about the Messiah. The Greek turned it into Christos, Christ, meaning the anointed one. And the word mass is an old English word, which was uh, masse, which was meant a festival. So really, if we look at Christmas, it means the festival of the anointing, the festival of the anointed one. If you take mass based on in the in the early days of the Catholic Church and uh, anyone ever been to mass, the Catholic mass, you know, at the very end of every mass prayer. And I'll probably, I probably I took three years of Latin, but I hardly remember. I remember Agricola and that was farmer in at Latin. I took three years of it and I don't remember any of it. And so I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. Um, so, but the very end of every mass prayer is in, uh, in messe e or in something like that. And that's the last ends of every mass prayer, right? They say those same words and what that means. It means go, it is ascending, go, it is sending. So really, if we look at, take that word with Christ and how it was portrayed, the beginning is Christmas is all about Christ. The anointed one has been sent. So I would change your perspective. Now, see, you can, you can take it extreme with materialism and all those things. And I'm not trying to make a God out of Christmas, all of that. That's not my point. Because the point is, I want us to walk free in every area of our lives. You know, Christmas, the anointed one has been sent. Isn't this presence so good in here today? If we can just get a hold of this, because see, you can be sitting in a Christmas setting, but still be bound. We can sing Christmas songs and, 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 and have, but still be bound. It's receiving the revelation of what Christmas is all about. 
You know, the Apostle Paul, and we, I'm not going to go there and read, read it now because we read the first part of that, where it says, The God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not. Then the next verse says, Paul says, I preach Christ. I preach Christ. I preach Christ. Whatever you're going through, I preach Christ. Whatever you're facing today, I don't have another answer for you, but I preach Christ this morning. You know, where we're talking about, we're talking about Jesus in a manger. We're talking about Jesus on a cross. Everything that we talk about Christ is a manifestation of the love of God. The, the bottom line of Christ is the manifestation. It's the, it's the coming into my reality of the love of God. So if I look at the manger or I look at the cross, I see the love of God. If I look at Jesus in the synagogue or I look at Jesus with the woman at the well, I'm seeing the love of God in manifestation. If I'm, if I'm seeing Jesus talking to the rich young ruler or I'm seeing Jesus with Zacchaeus, I'm seeing the manifestation of the love of God. So as we talk about the anointed one has been sent, we're talking about the manifestation of the love of God invading my current reality. And what we need to see every day of our life, not just Christmas, but every day of our life is I must believe, preach Christ. Why? Because it is the manifestation of the love of God in my current reality. See, Paul said, I preach Christ. He didn't. And it's not the Christ that was or the Christ that be will be. It's the Christ that is. It's the Christ that is. It's, it's the present tense aspect of what he wants to do in your life. See, Jesus, 25 years ago, I, I think now 25, come on, 25 years ago, man. The manifestation of his love invaded my current reality so it could change my future possibilities. And so we realize every part of the aspect of Christ, every aspect of Christmas, we're singing, we're amazed by him, amazed by his love. Why? Because it's what changes our current reality. Whatever you're facing right now, I'm telling you, the manifestation of the love of God will change your current reality. The fear you're battling right now, it's the love of God will change your current reality. Christmas, the anointing, the anointed one has been sent. Hallelujah. Good Isaiah 11. Father, we thank you for your word. Everything about Christ, everything about the Holy Spirit, everything about the glory of God is to take you higher. You see, Jesus coming was the manifestation of the glory of God. Jesus sending the Holy Spirit is the manifestation of the glory of God. And everything that God wants to do is to take you higher. Take you higher in every aspect of your life. In Isaiah chapter 11, verse 1, it says, And there shall come, there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse. Jesse, who was Jesse? Jesse was David's father. It says, and a branch shall go out, grow out of his roots. Verse 2, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom 
and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Man, I love what Dr. Savelle talked about last week, the spirit of glory. Amen. Hallelujah. See, when, you, when Jesus showed up in the earth, he showed up with everything we need. When Jesus sent the Holy Spirit, he showed up with everything that we need. You see, it's not, it's not just, but it's not just a Christ that was. It's not a Christ that will be, but it's the Christ that is. You know, before we went to Africa, if you were here, remember I talked about how in Revelation chapter 2, how Jesus walks in the midst of the churches. That means love is walking in the midst of the church. Love is walking through this place today. Whether you can see it or not, love is in this place because the word says where two or three are gathered, there he is in the midst of us. He's, he's here. Whether you, whether, you, whether you feel it, whether you, he's here. See, Christmas is about a present reality all the time because it's the anointing has been sent. And the anointing is here. So when it says this spirit would rest on him, this this son of Jesse that would branch, that would grow out of the roots, this this one that has come, what is going to be on him is everything that we would need in our current reality. We're not going to necessarily need wisdom and understanding and counsel and might when we get to heaven. We need it now. We, We need it now. The spirit of the fear of the Lord, that, that needs to come on our lives. We, we need to receive that into our lives. Part, part of the spirit of, uh, of God is, is, is something that comes on you to know how to be, how, how to be reverent towards him. So you're like, well, no, that's just my choice. No, but it's, it says it's a spirit of the fear of the Lord of just being captivated by him. And I believe that when we, when we see him face to face, I believe that's the first thing we're going to sense the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Because it says every knee will bow and every tongue. Because we'll, we'll just be in awe of his goodness. Not in fear and afraid of him, but just in awe of, wow, I've been waiting for this. Amen. Maybe that's the anointing right there. <laughs> Get back to it. Hallelujah. Verse three, and shall make him of a quick understanding in the fear of the Lord. And he shall not judge after the sight of his eyes, neither reprove after the hearing of his ears. Let's look at verse 10. And it shall be in that day that the root of Jesse, read the amplified. And in that day, and it shall be in that day that the root. So we're talking about the same thing here, right? And it shall be in that day that the root of Jesse shall be a signal for the people. And one of this word for signal is a banner or like a flag. So it's kind of like in that day, there's this flag going to be way meaning you're going to see it and you're going to know it. A signal for the people of him shall the nations inquire and seek knowledge and his dwelling shall be glory and his rest glorious. I mean, so this one that's going to come from Jesse, the root of Jesse, that there's going to be something on him and his rest Will be glorious, meaning there's something that when you when you come to him and when you get to him, everything else pales in comparison because his rest will be glorious. Verse 11. And in that day, we're talking about the same day in that day, the Lord shall again lift up his hand a second time to recover the remnant. 
You see, this, this Jesse, this, this, this branch coming out of the root of Jesse, we see a spirit resting on him. We, we, we see that he's going to be like a signal. His rest is going to be glorious. Then we see that he is going to recover the remnant. Verse 12, and he will raise up a signal for the nations and will assemble the outcasts of Israel and will gather together the dispersed of Judah from the four corners of the earth. Wow. Meaning from, from the north, the south, and the east and the west, this root of Jesse is going to draw, going to gather the outcasts. I don't know about you, but you know what? I've been an outcast. If you're born again, you know, this, this has become a current reality in our lives. Let's look at verse 16. I want you to see this. And there shall be a highway. So this is all talking about the Messiah, the coming of the Messiah. And I love this. And there shall be a highway from Assyria for the remnant left of his people as there was for Egypt when they came up out of the land of Egypt. Meaning just as the children of Israel, God's people, were in bondage to Egypt, Egypt, just as they went across the Red Sea, this Messiah, he is going to make a highway. Now, this word highway means a raised place. But in the, in the Hebrew, it gives us a picture. And what, it gives us two figures. The one figure it gives us is a staircase. It gives us a staircase. The second one it gives us is a viaduct. Anybody know what a viaduct is? A couple of people? <laughs> What's that? <laughs> you put that picture up there. And a lot of you are Googling what a viaduct is. There you go. You got the picture up there? Maybe not. Maybe so. Okay, maybe not. There it is. Okay, this, this is a viaduct. Let me show you the next one. This is the, this is the tallest viaduct in the world. It's over a thousand some... Meters high, something like that. It's crazy. It's in France. But, but getting a picture, this is the picture that he creates a highway for the remnant. You know, you and I were the remnant. But he created a highway for us. A highway and a staircase, meaning it's going to take us up above whatever's going down below. And so you understand this Messiah... This anointed one came to do something about your current reality. And, and wherever you are right now, he has the ability. He, he already has made a highway. He is the way. He is the truth. And he is the life. He, he, he has made a way. He is making a way. A highway. Over whatever you're facing. Whatever you're going through. Whatever you're dealing with. This is, this is the aspect of what the Messiah would be all about. Is creating an avenue through things I couldn't do myself. An avenue through things that I couldn't, I couldn't, I didn't have, I don't have the ability to get through. But yet because of this Messiah, he's created the highway for me. And a highway for you. Let's look at chapter 12. Chapter 12. And in that day. See, this, is all, this is all in the same day, right? And in that day, you will say, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger has turned 
and you comfort me. Man, I, I think we just need to thank God for that. Hallelujah. Thank, he's not angry at you. He's not mad at you. He's created a highway for you. It says in that day, in that day, they're going to, they're going to give thanks for you, O oh Lord. They're going to give thanks because you're not angry anymore, but you turn to comfort them. Verse two, behold, God, my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid for the Lord. God is my strength and song. Yes, he has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy, will you draw water from the wells of salvation? And in that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name and by means of his name, declare and make known his deeds among the people of the earth, proclaim that his name is exalted. Has he, has he comforted you? Is he angry with you any longer? This is what we, it says, and this you will say, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name and by means of his name, declare and make known his deeds among the people of the earth, proclaim that his name is exalted, sing praises to the Lord for he has done excellent things, excellent things. See, this is the whole aspect of the Messiah. He's came, he has come and he has done excellent things. Let this may be made known to all the earth. Cry aloud. Shout joyfully, you women inhabitants of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Wow. The Messiah. See, I'm talking about the Messiah, the the picture of the one that was to come. But what we have to see, he has already come. He has already he has already brought us comfort. He he has already drawn us as, as outcast. He's already drawn us. He's already made a highway. Yes. Amen. And great, great, and great in your midst is the Holy One. Great, see, great in your midst. Me, He's here. Great in your midst. One thing about the glory of God is you can't talk about the glory of God without talking about the greatness of God. Great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Man, be captivated by His greatness. Don't be captivated by what you're facing and what you're going through. Be captivated by His greatness. Hallelujah. Great. Say that with me. Great in our midst. Is the Holy One. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Christmas. It's about the, the great one. Great is the Holy One in our midst. Hallelujah. See, during this holiday season, we can, you can be so, so bombarded by what you don't have, what you can't buy, what you can't get, what you can't give. And that's when, that's when we get off. When you have to bring yourself back to, what is this really about? Christmas, it's about great is the one that's in our midst. Great is the one that took on man, took on sin for us. Thinking back to Isaiah 26, perfect peace, perfect peace. Have they who keep their mind stayed on thee? 
See, if we look at this aspect of Jesus, the Messiah, being a highway or, or being great in our midst, realize it's all about changing our current reality. It's about changing your current situation. You know what? And sometimes you're not going to figure it out up here. Life is, James tells us, life is but a whisper, a vapor. We're here today. We're gone the next. Don't, don't hold on to things that are going to keep you back and keep you back from God's best. Because great in our midst is the Holy One of Israel. You know, the Apostle Paul talked about, I preach Christ, right? I preach Christ and Him crucified. Amen. See, Paul had a revelation of, of, of God changing his current circumstances. You, just think about it. Now, just, just dealing with this aspect of keeping our minds stayed on him. Because you know what? It's so easy to get our minds off of him because of pressure. It's so easy to focus on the wrong thing. It's so easy to get complacent. It's so easy. But see, Paul knew the reality of Christ. After all, here, the Apostle Paul is, 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 is a religious man. He's, he's a Pharisee of the Pharisees, counting the law. He was perfect. He was perfect. Man. But yet he's on the road to Damascus. Really, he has, he has a heart for God. He does. He's just confused. His mind's been set on the wrong thing. But all of a sudden he has this visitation and God knocks him off of his donkey and he, he, he's on the ground. He looks up and he says, he says, all right, Lord. <laughs> See, he knew something about a God that could change his current circumstances. And I, and I think of the Apostle Paul, not just the one that was on the road to Damascus, but I look at the one, you know, 20 some years or more later. And he's he's in a prison and he's with Silas and their, their, their backs are bleeding. They're bruised. They're broken in the natural. They have no hope and their arms are chained. And all of a sudden they start singing praises at midnight. See, see, you'll sing praises at midnight because you understand the, the you, because you, you already encountered the one on the road to Damascus. And if he changed your current reality, then he can sure change your current reality over here. See, see, he knew about Christ. He knew about Messiah, the, the Messiah, the one that was to come and he encountered him on that road. So therefore he had to what he had to set his mind on him. Why? So he could have perfect peace. Perfect peace have they who keep their mind set on thee. So how, did, how did he and Silas keep their mind set on him? They sang praises. How are you going to get, keep your mind set on him? It's going to be through your praise. It'll be through your worship. It'll be through you welcoming him into your circumstancing. Welcome him into, welcome him into your fear. Welcome him into, into where you're at and allow him to change it. Allow, allow him to turn it around. Allow him to give you a new perspective. Allow him to, for you to see things you haven't seen before. But you're not going to see that if you have your, if you don't have your mind set on the right thing. Perfect peace have they who keep their minds set on thee and who trusteth in thee. Paul knew, man, the, the, the whole aspect of this thing he encountered, the Messiah he encountered on the road of Damascus, so much so in Second Corinthians 3, he says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. 
I mean, wherever he is, there's liberty. Wherever he is, he can change the circumstance. But what are you setting your mind on? What are you setting your thoughts on? Perfect peace have they who keep their minds set on thee. Perfect peace. Man, Paul knew about this freedom, but he knew it was, it was, it was through Christ. It was in Christ. Yes. Paul said, stand fast in this liberty wherewith Christ. Galatians 5.1. Stand fast in this liberty, this freedom, wherefore Christ has set you free. Verse 13 says, for we have been called to freedom. We've been called to freedom. Man, I, I want us going into the new year with no bondages, no, no hindrances, nothing holding us back, no offenses, nothing, no, no. I mean, just whatever happened this year, whatever you face of negative, whatever it is, it just, man, lay it on the altar and set your affection on him. That's why Paul, could, Paul and Silas could sing because he, what, he's setting his affection on him. Sometimes you just need to sing the right song. <laughs> Somebody like, take this job and got to have the right song. <laughs> you know, grandma got run over by a reindeer. Make sure you sing the right song. You know, um, I dug my keys into, <laughs> you know, so you make sure you sing the right song. You know, as <laughs> it's funny you, you can be there. Also, it's funny. I don't. I, I listen to mainly worship, so I'll be, and I can be in a radio. I mean, in, in a store, and all of a sudden I'm singing along to the song. And I'm like, how do I know this song? <laughs> Who sings that? And they're like Justin Bieber. Really? I, I have no clue. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, just I don't know. Anyway, better get back. The anointing's lifting, so we got to. Um, we're here, but this whole aspect of of we have to set our affections. On the right things. We go to Luke chapter one. Amen. Thank you, Father. But you know what? It's it's possible to be in the presence of the Messiah and Him being in the midst of us, but yet still leave unchanged. Let me say that again. It's possible to be in the presence of Jesus and leave unchanged. Thank you, Father. What do I mean by that? Because Jesus can't take what you don't give him. You know, just for two, I, I could give quite a few anal- or stories from Scripture, but just two initially that come to the, when plan saying this, but come to the, my thinking was um, the rich young ruler. He came to Jesus, was in the, pro- in the presence of Jesus, in the midst of the great one, so to speak. But yet said he walked away sorrowful. But then you have Zacchaeus that comes to Jesus searches and seeks seeks the Lord with all of his heart and climbs up a tree because he wanted some, he wanted he wanted God to change his current reality he wanted he wanted something different he he was he wasn't just a tax collector he was over all the tax collectors he he was rich 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 wealthy man 
You know what? Jesus never had an w- issue with his wealth. He had an issue with his heart. That's right. And so, so he climbs up the tree because he knew he needed something more than just something material. And so he climbs up and, and Jesus gets to where he was and he looks up and he says, Zacchaeus, come down. Because today I'm going to show up at your house. Man. See he, see, he set his perfect peace, have they who set their mind on him. He, it's like he has set his mind on something different. And because of that, Zacchaeus is not just his life, but his family was changed. And right at the very end of that in Luke 19, he says, because why? The Messiah, Jesus, came to seek and save that which was lost. So it's, but it's possible to be right in the midst of him. Be right in the midst of the presence of God, but yet not be changed. Luke 1. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. I'll start closing with this. Luke 1. You know, this is the story of Mary. The angel visits Mary. In verse 37, makes a statement. says, for with God, nothing is ever impossible. And no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. Then Mary said, Behold, I am the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to what you have said. And the angel left her. Do you think after that day that Mary could have been like, woke up the next day and like, okay, what happened? (laughs) Uh, What was that? I mean, think of, put, put that in modern day, you know, Cassie, you're hanging out at home, and man, the angel shows up and says, hey, you're going to have the Messiah. And, I mean, what would you be like the next day? You see, because we, we can, because there could be promises that we see in God's word. There, there could be things that we face and, think, and challenges, but we don't know how, how, how is this going to work out? How, how, is this, how is this situation going to change? You see, she had to set her mind. Perfect peace have they who set their mind on him. So what did she have first have to do? Okay, let it be. Let it be according to what you have said. But I don't believe that was the end of, of her walking out God's promise for her life. I, I, don't believe that was the, that was, I don't believe that was the only time in her mind that she ever doubted what the angel said. She's human. And I believe she had to, to go back and, and encourage herself in certain things. I believe there's things she had to remind herself. And, and all of a sudden, she's seeing these things happen. And all of a sudden, things are changing. And, and she, you know, she's pregnant and, and so forth. But I, I want to read something to you that I believe gives us an insight on, on what her perspective was through her pregnancy. And where she had to set her affection in, in the process of breakthrough. In the process of promise being fulfilled. All right, let's look at this. In verse, verse 46. And Mary said, my soul magnifies and extols the Lord. Now, she hasn't, she hasn't given birth yet. She says, and Mary said, my soul magnifies and extols the Lord. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. So I believe through this process of, of, of the fulfillment, the promise being fulfilled in her life, what she had to set her, set her mind on something. Yeah. I'm gonna, I know I said it a lot. Great peace. Perfect peace. 
have they who keep their mind stayed on thee. She had to keep her mind stayed on You look at anyone throughout scripture that was successful. How they became successful is where they set their minds. Where they set their thinking. And we can see how it came out. It came out in a form of praise. It came out in a form of rejoicing. My soul rejoices in God, my Savior. See, sometimes it doesn't matter what it might look. My soul, my mind, my will, and my emotion. Right now, I rejoice in the God that's my Savior. I rejoice in the one that makes the highway. Hallelujah. I'm the one that I rejoice in the one that makes the highway. I rejoice in the one that has that name that's above every name. I rejoice in that one. Verse 48. For he has looked upon the low state and humiliation of his handmaiden. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed and declare me happy and to be envied. She's focusing on the outcome. She's focusing on the outcome. She's not looking at her current state. She's looking at the final outcome. Hallelujah. For now on, all, for now on, all generations will call me blessed and declare me happy to be envied. Man, just ask a quick throw a question out here. What will all generations know you as? All generations. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Will all generations call you blessed? What will generations after you say about you? I just want you to think about that. Think about that question. What will generations after you say? And will people look at your generation and look at you and say, Oh, man. Man, they were used by God. They did great things for God. Just a thought. Verse 49. Now get this. And this is when she says, For he who is almighty... For he who is almighty has done great things for me. Man, this was her faith. This was her faith. This was her mind and this was her faith. She was rejoicing in the God, her Savior. And her, what she was thinking on was, he who is almighty has done great things for me. And holy is his name. Hallelujah. Verse 50. And his mercy, his compassion in kindness towards the miserable and the afflicted is on those who fear him with godly reverence from generation to generation and age to age. What a revelation Mary had. Think about it. Man, for he who is almighty has done great things. Can you say that in your circumstance, what you're going through right now, despite what it looks like? Yeah. He who is almighty has done great things for Justin. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on Justin. That's right. And it will be on his family for generations from generation. From age yeah. to age. Yeah. So when you're sitting in the perfect setting and sitting down in your home, whatever it looks like. What are you setting your affection on? Let it be on him. Paul said, I preach Christ. I preach Christ. Christmas, the anointed one. That's been sent. Psalm 71. And this, this is. I'm done. Hallelujah. Everyone stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sorry. Psalm 72. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Oh, hallelujah. Just lift your hands to him. Oh, thank you. He who is almighty has done great things for us. Thank you, Father. Great, great in, your, in our midst are you, Father. Great in our midst are you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Worship team, you can go ahead and come up. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Christmas. The Messiah has been sent. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, thank you, Jesus, man. His amazing love. Man. That he would even make a highway for us. That he'd even... While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This this is a year for his glory. This is a year, days of glory, days of flourishing, days of abounding. Understand, this Messiah... This, Chris, this, this aspect of the Christ that came, the Christ that was sent, was to bring us into places that we couldn't go on our own. And I want to read this to you in Psalm 72. Because in the top of my scripture, this, is, this says, the, saw, the Psalm for Solomon. But most scholars believe that this was really a picture written of the Messiah that was to come. Even though it was written to Solomon, it was really a prophetic scripture about the Messiah. And I'm just going to read the first eight verses to you in the Amplified. It says, give the king knowledge of your way of judging, O God, in the spirit of your righteousness to the king's son to control all his actions. So it's really God saying, I'm giving, I'm giving my spirit to control my son's actions. Verse 2, let him judge and govern your people with righteousness and your poor and afflicted ones with judgment and justice. The mountains shall bring peace to the people and the hills through the, through the general establishment of righteousness. Verse 4, may he judge and defend the poor of the, of the people, delivering, deliver the children of the needy and crush the oppressor. <laughs> I love that. Hallelujah. May he defend the poor of the people Deliver the children of the needy. Do you have needs in your life today? Well, he's a deliverer. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. And it says, and he crushes the oppressor. Verse five, so that they may revere and fear you while the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. So the things that God does is what? Just so that we can come to a place to worship him. So that we may revere and fear you while the sun and moon endure throughout all generations. Verse six. May he, in the Amplified says, Solomon as a type of King David's greater son, be like the rain that comes down upon the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. Verse 7, in his Christ's days shall the righteous flourish and peace abound till there is no, till there is a moon no longer. Let me read that again. In his Days In Christ's days shall the righteous flourish. Say that with me. In Christ's days shall the, right, shall the righteous flourish. And peace abound 
till there is moon no longer. In the Messiah's day shall the righteous flourish and peace abound till there is moon no longer. Hallelujah. Meaning it was because of Christ and in the time of Christ that the righteous will flourish and peace will abound. Then it tells us for how long until there's moon no longer. That means until he comes back. I mean, there, there's no end to this until he returns and there's a new heaven and a new earth. Yes. Amen. 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 You, you're created. If you're in Christ, you're created to flourish. Yes. If you're, you're in Christ, you were created to walk in peace. Yes. If you're in Christ, hallelujah. Thank you, Verse eight, he Christ shall have dominion also from sea to sea, from the river Euphrates to the ends of the earth. Meaning not only are you going to flourish, not only is the peace going to abound, but he's also has dominion over everything in this world. That means that Christ came and he did something about your current reality. Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. We thank you for Christ. We thank you for sending Jesus. We thank you, Father, for the manifestation of the love of God in our life. And I thank you that you, as you have manifested your love, you've made a way. You brought about deliverance. You brought about change. And you've lifted us up to a whole nother level in you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Father, I thank you for just washing over us this this holiday season, this Christmas season, that the anointing would rest on every single one of us.